my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Mark Moss Show, where we're talking about Bitcoin, of course, each and every week. We're talking about cryptocurrencies. We're talking about the decentralized revolution. And I'm really just trying to bring context to you of what is going on in this giant move. And when I say giant, I am talking about a shift so big that it will literally change the course of humanity. It's that big. And it's, you know, to understand Bitcoin, to understand this decentralized revolution, you have to understand lots of different things. There's probably at least six or eight different disciplines that you have to understand, which is why most people have a hard time understanding what it is. And, you know, I've been asked many times, I've been teaching about Bitcoin for six, seven years now at this point, pretty much talk about it all the time. I'm pretty good at taking complex subjects and making them easy to understand, which is what I'm doing with you each and every week. And sometimes some of my friends will sit me down and they're like, hey, Mark, um, could you just explain Bitcoin to me like I'm five years old and in two minutes? And I'm just like, no, I can't. Uh, because a five-year-old can't get it in two minutes. Nobody can get it in two minutes. And that's one of the big problems that we have in culture today is that we're all trying to find these life hacks, which is fine. We should all be finding life hacks. And 
a life hack is listening to me each week. But if you're only going to put in five minutes or two minutes worth of work, you're never going to get this. And really, you're just never going to make it in life. And it's a big problem that we have in, in the world where We see people, they read the headlines, and they don't even bother to read the rest of the article. And usually those headlines are kind of this clickbait type of thing, and it doesn't even really represent what that article is about, but yet people think they have the information. And so with Bitcoin, a lot of times people are like, oh, I get it, I get it, I get it. It's like this digital cash. It's like like this digital gold. I, I get it, right? No, you don't get it. You can't get it in two minutes, especially if you're five years old. And so uh, we'll talk about this each and every week and all these different ways that affects your life. And really we'll talk about the intersection of, or the importance of why. Why is this even important? Why do I even care about this? Why will this be so powerful? It will change the world. And so you have to understand a lot of different subjects. And luckily for you, me, your host, I've sort of been this uh, jack of all trades, master of none most of my life. So I'm sort of like uniquely situated to talk to you about these subjects because I like to dabble in all these different different areas. I'm talking about history, monetary history, which you hear me talk about a lot. I like to talk about economics. I like to talk about finance. I like to talk about technology. I like to talk about psychology. I like to talk about game theory. I like to talk about philosophy and all of these subjects intersect at Bitcoin. And so really, I like to talk, uh, focus on really the intersection of finance, technology, and money. It's a pretty powerful combination of those three, and they all intersect directly at Bitcoin. And so a lot of times, like I said, a lot of people, especially in the United States, when I've traveled in other countries, they get this a little bit better. But in the United States, they go... Why? Why do we even need Bitcoin? What problem does it even solve? And you'll hear people talking about the energy problem, like Bitcoin wastes energy. Well, how does it waste energy? (laughs) I'd like to hear your argument for that. What, What do you mean it wastes energy? Because the way that I understand it is that one man's trash is another man's treasure. So how is it a waste? If I decide to put my attention, my energy, my effort into it, how, who are you to call what I do a waste? But typically what I would say is that that argument comes from a standpoint that it's a waste of time. There's no purpose of it. There's no need for it. So why would we devote any energy towards that? I mean, the same could be said about video games. Are energy, are are video games a waste of energy? Are YouTube videos a waste of energy? Is you listening to me talking to you on my podcast right now a waste of energy? Uh, Hopefully you don't answer yes to that question. Um, But, you know, what is this waste? And so typically I would just say it's like people go, well, there's there's no point to Bitcoin. There's no need for it. Um, It's just a stupid speculation or whatever. So why should we devote any energy to that? And first off, like I said, who are you to say what I devote my energy to? If I decide to devote my energy to meditation and staring into space, then that's what I want to dedicate my time to. If I want to dedicate my time to playing video games, then so be it. Like, who are you or who is anybody to dictate what anybody else thinks is a good or bad use of their time or energy? But really, ultimately, like I said, it comes down to the fact that they don't understand why. Why is this important? So what I would say is that Bitcoin is the most important thing. As a matter of fact, it it not only deserves all the energy that we put into it, it needs even way more. That's what I would say. 
I would say, no, no, we're not spending enough energy on Bitcoin. But again, it comes down to why. Why do I believe that's important? Why do I believe it can change the world? That's what I want to share with you. By the way, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. Of course, we're talking about Bitcoin. <laughs> if you're just tuning in, we're talking about cryptocurrencies. We're talking about this decentralized revolution, and we're talking about why. Now, there's a million reasons why. And I like to use an analogy. I would I like to use an analogy of imagine imagine in your mind this giant oak tree. And you have this old oak tree. It's really big. There's, I don't know, 10,000 leaves on this oak tree. And every one of those leaves on that tree is a problem. So we have uh, the obesity rate or or the divorce rate or the incarceration rate or the divide between rich and poor or the breakdown in supply chains or you name it, any problem that you could pull all basically comes down into the tree, into the trunk, and at the base of that tree, at the trunk, the root of that problem is the money. The money is the problem responsible for every other problem that we have in society. Now, I know, I get it, I get it, I get it. Don't shoot the messenger. That's a big claim, right? It's a really big claim. But it's a claim that I can back up, and it's a claim that I'm going to back up each and every show. So by the way, <laughs> while we're talking about this, uh, I promise to make this the most important part of your week. So just grab your phone real quick, uh, put a calendar reminder for this date, this time, and make sure to join me on this station each and every week. But it's a big claim. I get it. Every problem, obesity, divorce rate, like incarceration rate, like how are those related to the money? That doesn't make any sense, Mark, right? I get it, but it does, and I'm going to prove it. Now, um, I'm just going to say topically, well, what's the number one cause of divorce? Money, <laughs> fighting over money. Typically not having enough money is typically the problem. Um, but why don't we have enough money? Well, then that goes into this income inequality thing. Why is it so hard to get ahead today? Why are the rich getting richer and the poor are staying poor? What is causing this divide? The money. And so really, if we can look back at a chart, it really we can trace it back to 1971 at the time when the, the then current president, Richard Nixon, removed not only the United States, but really removed the entire world from the gold standard. So for all of pretty much recorded history, 5,000 years, gold had been money. For hundreds of years inside the United States, gold was money. And all uh, 1944, under the Bretton Woods Agreement, the entire world agreed to be on a one-world money monetary system. That was a gold-backed system. The dollar would be backed to gold. All the currencies of the world would be backed to the dollar, or pinned, I should say, pegged to the dollar. And so we were on a gold-backed system. 1971, President Richard Nixon severed the ties of the gold standard and thereby took the entire world off of what had been money for 5,000 years. And since that, for the last 50 years, it was August of this year. August of this year was the 50th anniversary of that happening. And since that time, the entire world has gone haywire. And a lot of the problems that we see today are a direct cause of this. Now, there's a massive, massive, massive problem going on all across the world today. And it's directly related to this. And you probably don't get this. You probably don't understand this. Now, if you're in Southern California, where I'm from, and you're anywhere near the beach, you've probably seen, and if you're not there, you've probably heard that there's hundreds or about 100 ships sitting off the ports of Long Beach trying to come in, trying to bring goods in. Why? Why is that happening? Well, would you believe me if I told you it's because of the money and Bitcoin can fix that? 
Well, I'm going to tell you exactly what's happening. I'm going to tell you exactly why the money is responsible. I'm going to tell you exactly how Bitcoin fixes this when we come back. All right. Now you're listening to the Mark Moss show. We're talking about Bitcoin. We're talking about cryptocurrencies. Of course, we're talking about the bigger decentralized revolution that's happening. I'm going to be right back. I'm going to tell you how the shipping problem can be fixed by Bitcoin. Don't go away. All right. Welcome back. You're listening to the Mark Moss show. We're talking about Bitcoin. We're talking about cryptocurrencies. We're talking about the decentralized revolution. And boy, oh boy, where do I start? <laughs> it's such a big topic, and that's why you got to tune in with me each and every week. Before the break, I was explaining how um, if the world was like this giant oak tree, and every leaf on that oak tree was a problem, and you trace each one of those leaves back to the tree, and the tree all the way down to the root, at the root sits the money the money printer. The, the, the problem is the money. And the money is causing every problem that we have today. And I was explaining how... One of the big problems that we have today, there's there's many, but we'll just tackle one today. And one of them is supply chains are breaking down. I talked about how off the coast of Long Beach, off the coast of Southern California, there's about plus or minus about a hundred ships sitting off the coast and they can't figure out how to get them in there and get them unloaded, right? Now that's a big problem, supply chains breaking down. When those ships don't come in, Parts don't get delivered, items don't get made, vendors don't get their parts, you don't get to buy the consumer goods that you want, the entire economy breaks down over that. But that's the problem with the money, Mark? Is that what you're telling me, Mark? That's exactly what I'm telling you. And not only am I telling you that it's the problem with the money, I'm also telling you that Bitcoin can fix that. <laughs> it's a big claim. So let me, let me explain what I'm talking about here. Now, first off, I'm sure you've heard by now, the supply chains are breaking down everywhere, right? Supply chains are breaking down, uh, or you've probably gone to buy goods and you've noticed that you can't get some of the things that you want or they're way more expensive. Like used cars are up 35% because new cars can't be sold as much because we don't have chips that go in them, right? Supply chain issues. Now, the supply chain is a it's a complex dynamic system on a massive scale. I mean, it's it's a global scale. It's uh, it's probably as complex as the as a climate change system. I mean, it's that big, and a lot of people maybe kind of think they have an idea of how the supply chains work, but probably few people have actually taken the time to think about it, to think about how big, how complex it really is. All right, so let me just take you through a, just a very very simple thought exercise. But think about think about just going to the store like you normally do. And there's all these products in the store. How do those products get on the store uh, shelves at the very time that you need it at the same time at the place, right? So think about going to the grocery store, you want to buy a loaf of bread. Well, the bread didn't just magically get there, right? It was delivered by somebody, it was probably a local bakery, maybe. And so it was delivered by a local bakery, there was a shelf at the store that put it on the shelf. Um, you carried it home, right? So somebody brought it there, somebody put it on the shelf, you carried it home, you served it for dinner. There, that's the supply chain, right? The bakery, the sh the store, you, and then the food. And that's the supply chain. But that's, that's, that doesn't even scratch the surface, and, and I can't even really scratch the surface. So think about it. Like, what about the truck that the driver used when they delivered the bread? Where did uh, the bakery get the flour from? Where did the yeast and the water needed to make the bread, where did that come from? What about the ovens that were used to bake the bread? What about the probably 100,000 parts that went into the oven? Where did they come from? When the bread was baked out of that oven, um, was it put into like a plastic bag or was it put into a paper bag? Where did those come from? Where did the parts for the plastic come from for them to even make the plastic bags, right? 
Now, I've expanded a little bit, but even that is just barely even scratching the surface, right? The flour used for baking comes from wheat, of course, right? Well, where was where did the wheat come from? It was grown on a farm, okay? Well, well, on the farm, did they use fertilizer? Where'd the fertilizer come from? Did they use heavy equipment? Did they use a tractor? Well, where'd that tractor come from? Where did all the parts for the tractor come from? What about the farmer that hired labor? Where did those people come from? Did they use water? Where did that water come from? What about the fertilizer? Right, on and on and on, right? We can just keep going and going and going, right? Like I said, the oven, they have the oven itself has their own supply chain. Where did the steel come from? Where did the glass come from? Where did the semiconductors come from? Where did the electrical skirts come from? And on and on and on. Now, the, the ovens, you know, are either, you know, handcrafted, made by hand, or they're mass produced in a factory that then also uses probably assembly lines. And then what about those assembly lines? Where do those parts come from? Uh, the factory uses inputs like electricity. So where does the electricity come from? Do they use natural gas, uh, right? Where, do, where does that come from? Where are the lines that run the natural gas? Um, the store that sells the breads on the receiving end, uh, right? And they require electricity as well. They also need gas for, for heating. They, they also need labor. They need uh, loading docks and delivery rooms and inventory rooms. So you get it, it's complex, right? But how does all that work? How does that entire network work? How is it that the, the wheat is made and turned into flour and delivered to the baker and the baker knows the bags to use and get the bags and gets the bread to the shelf and the one loaf? And how does that entire system work? And that's just bread. Now think of that times every product in the world for your tires on your car or your car itself or the, the phone, the iPhone that you may be listening to me on right now. Think about everything else. And then you factor in there's 330 million people in the United States, seven and a half billion people in the world that all have changing wants, needs, and desires constantly. So how is it that no matter how irrational you are as a human, so for example, I love vanilla ice cream. I always want vanilla ice cream all the time. But today, I want chocolate ice cream. I don't know why. I just do. Because I'm irrational, right? So how can we have 330 million people in the US or seven and a half billion people in the world, all irrational human beings that have constantly shifting wants, needs and desires that have all different types of products that we want. And how is it that we can go to a restaurant or a store or a sporting goods store and have the exact product that I need with all those supply chains, with all those vendors, hundreds or not hundreds, thousands, hundreds of thousands of vendors and people that are required to get those parts together to make that tennis racket or that bicycle or that surfboard or whatever it is. How does that work? How are all those people coordinating? Um, if I'm selling bread in the store, I don't know the farmer who's growing the wheat. I don't call him and say, hey, I'm gonna sell more bread next year, I need more wheat, no. All of that is coordinated by something called a signal. <laughs> and what is the signal? The signal is the price. The price is the signal. So if the price of something goes up, for example, today I want chocolate ice cream. Well, then if everybody wants more chocolate ice cream, there's more demand for chocolate ice cream, then guess what happens? The price goes up and two things happen. One, people buy, buy less chocolate ice cream, there's less demand. And two, ice cream manufacturers make more chocolate ice cream. And so that signal, that price signal is what coordinates the economy like, hey, we need more chocolate ice cream over here, or we need more bicycles over here. And so it's that signal. But what happens when the signal gets distorted, and nobody can understand the signal, 
So if the price is the signal, the money is the communication. The money communicates the signal. The money communicates the price. When you pay for something with your money, you're paying the price. The price is the signal. And so money is not, a lot of people really haven't taken the time to think about what money is. And if you haven't taken the time to think about what money is, then of course you don't understand why Bitcoin's important because you don't get it. You haven't taken the time to think through this, but this is a massive massive problem. I want to explain to you the money and the signal piece, but I want to tell you how it gets corrupted and how it leads to bigger problems than the supply chains bigger than that. So I want to explain to you that when I come back, you're listening to the Mark Moss show where we're talking about Bitcoin. <laughs> if you haven't guessed, we're talking about Bitcoin. We're talking about money. We're talking about Bitcoin. We're talking about solving the world's problems. We're talking about the decentralized revolution, cryptocurrencies, etc. I'm talking about the price and why Bitcoin is important, why it's worth the energy, why we should be spending even more energy on it. I have more in a second. Don't go away. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. oracle.com slash strategic. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare zumo play is your destination for endless entertainment with a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels movies and full tv series you'll easily find something to watch right away and the best part it's all free love music get lost in the 90s with iheart 90s dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iheart radio music channels 
No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. All right, welcome back. You are listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about Bitcoin. We're talking about cryptocurrencies. We are talking about the decentralized revolution. And today, right now, we are talking about supply chains breaking down. Now, how does that apply to Bitcoin? <laughs> Good question. It's one that you should know the answer to. It's the answer that you need to know because you need to know why do we even need something like Bitcoin? Why is it even important? And it's because the money is broken. The fiat money system that we have is broken. The fiat money system being broken causes all the problems that we have today. So we say, if we can fix the money, we can fix the world. And that is what Bitcoin is doing. So I was given a story of supply chains and how they work. I was explaining um, just a very simple example of a supply chain of bread and uh, probably hopefully expanded your, your thinking about that and to understand how big of a story that really is. It wasn't exaggerated. As a matter of fact, I made it seem very, very simple. But I was explaining how, um, you know, all these parts or all these products take lots and lots of parts and, and it, it requires this massive coordination all over the world. And when I say all over the world, I mean all over the world. So this isn't just a United States problem. Think about the iPhone. If you have an iPhone, which I forget, I don't know, 70% of the people in the U.S. have one or something like that. Half the people probably, I'm not sure. But think about the iPhone uh, itself, right? So the iPhone comes from China. But did you know the glass that's used on the iPhone actually comes from South Korea? And the semiconductors in the phone came from Taiwan. And the intellectual property design came from, of course, Apple in California. The iPhone includes like flash storage that comes from Japan. It includes gyroscopes that come from Germany. It has audio amplifiers, battery chargers, um, batteries, cameras, hundreds of other advanced parts. In total, Apple works with suppliers in 43 different countries on six different continents to source all their materials that go just into the iPhone. And that's just a quick example. And, and what I was saying is how, how do the people making the glass know how much glass to make and the people that make the semiconductors. And so all of that has to get coordinated. It's done by the price and the money. When I pay for a product, that money is, is, is communicating that price signal. And it works pretty good when the money supply stays relative, relatively constant. So for 5,000 years, gold was money and the gold, you know, the gold supply of the world increases. Gold miners are out there mining new gold, and it increases at a, at a rate of about one and a half percent per year. And so the, the increase in the, in the monetary supply, the gold monetary supply increases at about the same rate as the population does. And so it's kind of expanding as the people are, are, are expanding as well. And so because that monetary supply is basically, you know, staying somewhat constant, that signal, that price signal holds up pretty well and people can communicate properly. But what happens if I were to get a whole bunch more money, say $8 trillion, like, like the United States government and the Fed dumped into the market? Let's say that I took another $8 trillion and I just dumped it right into the market. Now all that new money that I dumped in the market starts to distort the signal. Now the signal can't coordinate the people properly. Now, in the example I gave of the chocolate ice cream, if you're with me before the break, I explained how when the price of chocolate ice cream goes up, two things happen. One, people buy less chocolate ice cream, but two, people make more of it. So there's a saying, we say that uh, high prices are the cure for high prices. Now, you know, uh, well, unless you're living under a rock, you know that inflation is running insanely rampant. As a matter of fact, I think it was last Friday, the Fed's new number inflation, the CPI, the 
the, the consumer price index is at 6.8%. It's the highest point in 40 years, four decades. And that means the cost of everything has gone up. Used cars up 35%, homes are up 35%, uh, stakes up 25%, uh, lumber's up whatever, 300%. Um, if you're in another country like Europe, you see natural gas go up a thousand percent in the U S fertilizer has gone up a thousand percent. Um, so prices are going up on everything like crazy. And like I said, typically high prices are the cure for high prices. And so when the price of things go up, people buy less and other people make more. But when you dump $8 trillion into the market and prices go up, people don't care. They're going to pay more anyway. They don't even care. They'll just pay more. But also it makes it very hard for the suppliers to make more because of the prices have gotten so high and the supply chains are breaking down. And so the entire market starts to get distorted. We were warned about this by um, one of my favorite economists, the, Austri the father of the Austrian school of economics, Ludwig von Mises, in something that he calls the crack up boom. I don't have it exactly word for word in front of me, but basically he warned us about 100 years ago that... Anytime you have a credit and monetary expansion, which is what we've had, right? So since 1971, we severed the ties of the gold standard and we've increased the monetary supply. We've printed more dollars and we've had a credit expansion. So now there's about $300 trillion worth of debt that's been built up. Uh, that's $300 trillion of debt that's been built up in the last 50 years. So we've had a debt expansion, a monetary expansion. So whenever you have a debt monetary expansion that leads to an economic boom, so we've had that, right? So the economy has been booming for the last few decades. Whenever you have those two things, he says, what comes next is distortions in the market. Worker shortages, misallocation, mismatch of products. And so now you're starting to see that. This is where the supply chains are starting to break down. People are quitting their jobs to go trade cryptocurrencies or options on Robinhood. People are quitting their jobs because they can stay home and make more on Stimmy. The people that do stay working, they work less, they work slower, they work less efficient. As I said, when we first started out, there's about a hundred plus or minus ships sitting off the coast of Southern California. They can't get their, um, their cargo unloaded. I think it's like an average of like three weeks. But why? We've always known how to unload ships. It's nothing new. This is nothing that we haven't done before. Why is this happening all of a sudden? Now, of course, you know, President Biden wants to go figure this out. He's going to get to the bottom of it. But let me just make it real, make it real simple for you. It's the money, stupid. It's the money. Ludwig von Mises told us 100 years ago this would happen. If you have an expansion of the monetary supply and a boom in the economy, it will lead to this exact same problem. So what comes next? Permises. Well, the crack up boom. So he says, what comes next is that he says, finally, the people will wake up when they realize that inflation is both permanent and intentional, permanent and intentional. So the Fed has a target. The Federal Reserve, the Central Bank of America has a target of 2% inflation. It's intentional. This is not an accident. Their goal is to steal 2% of your purchasing power from you every single year. But of course, like I said, as of last Friday, it was actually 6.8%, not 2%. The reality is it's closer to 15% that they're intentionally stealing from you. So he said, when people wake up and realize it's intentional and constant, so it's intentional and that's their goal. It's not a temporary goal. This is their permanent goal. He says, when that happens, then people won't want to hold dollars anymore and they'll dump them as fast as they can, which is why people are buying anything and everything they can get their hands on. Now, unintentionally, they're doing this. They don't, they don't probably understand this, but they're doing it. So like, uh, shoot, I should probably buy a house right now because I may not be able to afford that house later. 
I should buy a, buy, buy a car right now because I may not be able to buy it later. I should probably buy more toilet paper now because I may not be able to get that toilet paper later. But what they're really saying, they don't understand this, but what they're really saying is I have to get rid of these dollars today because they're becoming worthless and I won't be able to buy as much in the future. That's what, that's what he's really saying. No, um, he wrote this over 100 years ago. But it sounds pretty eerily of what we're seeing today, doesn't it? Remember, if we can fix the money, fix the world. But what did he say happens after that? Huh? I mean, if he predicted this, what did he predict happens? And that's the part that I want to share with you next. Because if you understand the past, you can understand the future. And he warned us, and it's all coming true. These are the problems that the money has. And this is why something like Bitcoin is so important. This is why when people say it's a waste of energy, they don't understand how important this is. That's why I say we should put even more money into it. The supply chains breaking down is a massive problem. The supply chains breaking down is the economy breaking down. The entire economy is the supply chain. Economy is goods and services. If the supply chains break down, I have no goods and services. I have no economy. That's how important this is. We can't go through booms and busts all the time. We need to fix this, and fixing the money will fix the world. I say we spend more energy. By the way, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about Bitcoin, if you didn't figure it out by now. We're talking about Bitcoin, cryptocurrencies, this decentralized revolution. Today, I'm talking about why. Why does this matter? And most importantly, what did Ludwig von Mises say? What comes next? Don't go away. All right, welcome back. You're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about Bitcoin. We're talking about cryptocurrencies. We're talking about this decentralized revolution. There's a million, a million and one angles and ways and things that we can talk about. Today, we're talking about why. Why do we even need this? Why do we even care? And I get it, you know, uh, coming from the United States, we have a, you know, somewhat relatively money, monetary supply, whatever that means. I mean, uh, you know, our dollars lost 98% of its purchasing power in the last 100 years. So I don't know if that's stable, but it's definitely not anywhere near as bad as what we see in Lebanon or Argentina or Turkey or something like that. And so, um, it, you know, a lot of people don't realize why we need to fix the money, but they don't understand what money is. And more importantly, they don't understand when they don't understand what money is, they don't understand what, uh, what's wrong with having a bad form of money. And so I was explaining how the supply chain is breaking down. Supply chain is breaking down means the economy is breaking down. When the economy breaks down, that means we have no wealth because wealth is goods and services that come from the supply chain. And the reason why the supply chain is breaking down are not because we are buying too many products. Well, that's part of it. But the reason why supply chains breaking down are because of the money. And not just because of the money, but because the federal government, the Federal Reserve, Central Bank of America, printed fake counterfeit money, $8 trillion worth, and dumped it into the economy. And it distorted the money supply, distorted the signal that coordinates the economy. And now the economy doesn't know how to act. It doesn't know how to work because the signal has become distorted. It's sort of like... Um, if you're listening to me over the radio right now and you your car goes out of range and I'm starting to get all staticky and you can't hear me real well. And now you don't know what I'm saying. You don't know what to do. And that's exactly what happens when you dump all that money into the system. And so we need to have a pure signal if we want to have if we want to have good action, if we want the world to work properly, then we have to have a clean signal. We can't have a fake distorted signal. We can't manipulate the signal. The signal has to be pure. And that comes from the money. So before the break, I was talking about uh, my, one of my favorite economists, Ludwig von Mises. He's from the Austrian School of Economics. 
And there's really um, the main school of economic thought is is really spawned from what would be considered Keynesian economics. You may have heard of that before. It's John Maynard Keynes, and Keynes is kind of the the godfather of the system that we have today. Which is basically he believes that um, when the economy dips, the government should step in and should spend artificially inject artificially stimulate the economy with fake money to get it to start growing again it's kind of like um if your battery died on your car or your motorcycle and you'd bump start it or you'd jump start it and so he thinks that it's okay for the government to create this fake counterfeit money uh temporarily just to dump it in the system just to get it going again so if you had uh let's say that the economy dipped and you lost a dollar from the economy he says that you should create 50 cents of fake counterfeit money of debt spend that 50 cents to get that dollar worth of growth that you're missing. That was his plan. The problem is today that we're past what he calls the Keynesian multiplier, which is when a, when a country gets over 90% debt to GDP, they don't get enough growth from the debt. So instead of spending 50 cents of debt to get a dollar growth, now you're spending a dollar of debt to get 50 cents of growth. So what that means is you're just digging yourself deeper and deeper in the hole. Now, that's when you get over 90%. The United States is about 130% today. That doesn't sound good, does it? As a matter of fact, there's a report from Hirschman Capital that says that 51 out of 52 countries that have gone above 130% debt to GDP have failed within 15 years. And we're over that number. That's a problem. Now, back to uh, Ludwig von Mises. He was talking about something called the crack-up boom. He wrote, the, wrote about this about 100 years ago, and uh, I explained it. So he says, um, he says uh, when you have a, a credit and monetary expansion that leads to a, an economic boom, which is what we've had, he says then it leads to distortions in the market, labor shortages, things like that, which is exactly what we have. Um, but it's what comes next. He says then, then people realize that inflation um, is both intentional and permanent, which it is, and they realize that. Um, so what happens then? He says, then people will get rid of their dollars as fast as they can, and the economy will crash. And so we're at that stage. People are getting rid of those dollars as fast as they can, and we're seeing those dollars losing value, or I should say those dollars are buying less and less and less goods. $100 from a, from a year ago buys you about $80 worth of goods today. It's theft. The government's stealing from you. Do you like being stolen from? When I was, uh, I was like, I, I forget, I think 17, 18 years old, um, my car got broken into, they stole my stereo, they stole all my music out of it. And it was like the most, like, it was the most violating thing I've ever felt. It was just like this, it was like, it was like a personal attack on me. I was violated. It just felt so bad. It was like the worst feeling. Like, and if you've ever been stolen from, then you, then you understand that feeling. It's, it's horrible. But that's what the government's doing. They're stealing from you. Every time they print another dollar, they're stealing the value of your dollars. So when they create one more dollar, all the existing dollars are worth less. They buy less. You don't have any control over it. It's theft. Now, the reason why they do that is because the government has too much debt and they can't increase taxes enough. They can only increase taxes 50, 60% before the people are going to freak out and overthrow them. And so they can't really raise the taxes past where they're at right now. So their option is they can just keep printing more money, but the more dollars they print, the less your dollars are worth. So not only the dollars in your savings account, but also the dollars that you're earning as you work your life away. Now, when one group of people like you and I are forced to trade our time for money, 
working for money, but another group of people have a money printer. They print money for free. That leads to slavery every single time. They're literally stealing your life with their money printing. And I'm not okay with that. Are you okay with that? And it's not just that. They're not just stealing the purchasing power from my dollars. They're distorting the entire market, the entire economy. The supply chains are breaking down. People are losing their jobs. People can't get the products they need on the stores. Like businesses have had a very tough time over the last year and a half through the pandemic being forced to shut down and all these things. Here we are. Christmas is Christmas is, is, is coming up. And if they can have, you know, a lot of these stores, maybe half of their revenue for the year comes from the Christmas season. But what if they can't get the products on their shelves? Supply chains are broken down. The ship, the ship from China didn't get unloaded. Now those customers come in to buy those products for their friends and family, but they're not on the shelves. They can't buy them. See how big of a problem this creates? Now that, that, that store doesn't sell the product. Well, the vendor trying to sell them to them doesn't have the goods, so the vendor loses out on the, on the money. The store loses out on the money. Then the, then the store that was hopefully, and the vendor and the store are going to make money. They were going to go spend that money. No, they don't have that money to go spend. You see how big of a problem this is? And it's all because the money is broken. It's all because your lovely government and their money printer, the central bank, continues to print money that distorts these markets. So I know, I know, I know, I know. They, a lot of you love it. They, they're buying your vote. Hey, hey, hey! We're gonna we're gonna spend more money on uh, on infrastructure. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna build some new roads and some bridges for you. And we're we're gonna send everybody uh, free education and free healthcare. And we're gonna pay you to stay home and not work and all those things. And that sounds great. And a lot of people are, are for that. I mean, shoot, I'll, I'll raise my hand and take free money if you want to give it to me. But in a time of today where everybody's thinking about the common good, think about how bad this is for the whole. And that's why we need a new form of money like Bitcoin. This is what Bitcoin fixes, one of, one of the millions of things that Bitcoin fixes. If you fix the money, you fix the world. And that's why Bitcoin is important. Hopefully that makes sense to you. Like I said, this is one of any million of the rabbit holes that we can dive down. But I want to get back to where we started, which is why people say that Bitcoin is a waste of energy. Well, Video games could be a waste of energy. Watching YouTube videos could be a waste of energy. Listening to me might even be a waste of your energy. But if we can create a money system that can fix the world, that can fix the supply chains, fix the economy, fix the signal from the money, I say that's worth even more energy than we're spending. I say let's spend more energy to fix more of the world. And I say we do that as fast as we possibly can. Fix the money, fix the world. That's what Bitcoin's doing. By the way, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Mark Moss Show, we're talking about Bitcoin, of course. We're talking about cryptocurrencies. We're talking about the decentralized revolution that is happening right now, right before your eyes. It will fix the world. It's your opportunity to get in before the greatest wealth transfer happens. That's it. Thanks for listening. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Zip. 
Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. 